Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number one, the book of Ezekiel chapter number 37, verse number one. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones, and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. I call this message because I said so. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in church this morning. God, I pray that you would continue as you have already been doing to speak life and encouragement to every single person in the room. Father, I pray that you would encourage the people in the Michigan Street campus as they're listening now. I pray for the Red Bug Lake campus. God, I pray that you begin to speak to them now. I pray for those who are watching online with the online family. I pray that you begin to speak to them and all of us here at this moment now for what you're getting ready to do and say as we respond to your word, as we respond to what you're saying and begin to take our place in the mission and the mandate that God has called us to. We give you praise. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. There will be people in the room. At the end of the message today, they will call forth the missionaries and they will call forth people to come and to lay hands on people in the room that need to respond to the message that God has put in your heart. I'm asking you right now to go ahead and begin to settle in yourself that God has been and that God will continue to speak to you. And when the moment arises, I'm asking you to be filled with the power and the anointing of God to say yes and move forward as you say, Lord, I know that you're speaking to me. I can feel in my bones that you're speaking. My dad was 17 years old when he became the lead pastor of his very first church. At 17 years old, he let go of everything, his sports career ambitions, so that he could begin to pastor a church. The church began to grow, and student ministry began to outnumber the attendance on Sunday morning in this rural Arkansas community, but God was moving in my family. God was moving with my mother and father, but when my dad one night had a dream, everything began to change. I was two years old, and one night my dad had a dream, and in his dream, he got out of an airplane, walked down to the bottom of the stairs, put his feet down on the bottom of the stairs on the asphalt, and realized that on three sides he was surrounded by water. He knew that he was standing on a peninsula, and he looked out across the bay of water, and on the other side he saw that there was a city on the other side that rose up on the mountains where the mountains met the beach, and he could see the twinkling lights from kerosene lanterns in the distance twinkling from the city on the mountainside. And the next morning he got up, he found my mother, and he said, I believe that we've been called to missions, and I believe that the Lord has shown me where we're going to go. My mom, she, she wasn't on the same page with my dad, and she laughed out loud, and she said, well, you can go. I'll stay. 
And for the next seven years, my mother and my father had to process what the Lord was saying to them together. Because sometimes they weren't on the same page. And yet at the same time, they knew that there was a destiny and that there was a mission and that there was a mandate upon their life. See, when you know that God has called you to something, when you can feel it in your bones and feel it in your spirit, and you can feel it every time a missionary comes into the building, and you can sense it every time you walk into the house of God, I'm here to remind somebody that there will be a day when the Holy Spirit asks you if you're ready to step into the legacy and the destiny he's called you to. And when that moment arises, there is nothing that can stop you from beginning to embrace the plan of God that he's destined for you from the very foundation of the world. And yet God is looking for men and women like you that from a deep place inside of their spirit will give God the best thing that you have. And my friend, the best thing that you can give God at the end of every single day is a simple word called yes. If you and I are willing to give God the best yes that we have, God will begin to move mountains through you. He will move mountains with you. He will move mountains because of you. But he's looking for a people. He's looking for a church. He's looking for a generation that will respond to the call of God and the mission of God and say, because I have a mission, because I have a calling, my response will be yes. See, I'm the father of three amazing children. I've told you already, I love my kids. I, I love the, the sons and the daughter that I have. But I'll be honest, I don't always have time to think of a well-articulated response to every single question that they ask me. Especially when I feel like it's in response to something I feel like they need to do. I want you to make your bed. Why? I want you to take out the trash. Why? You will eat every last green bean on that plate, young lady. Do you understand me? Those green beans will help you grow. Eat the green beans. Why? I wish that I had a better response, but most of the time, the greatest response I have at that moment, the one that seems to come to my mind at the drop of a hat is because I said so. And I know that every mom and dad in the room, when you were growing up, it frustrated you when your parents said that response to you because I said so. There's an interesting reason behind because I said so. It has no explanation. Because I said so sometimes is filled with ambiguity. Because I said so has to rely on trust and belief. In other words, moms and dads hope that when we say, because I said so, in spite of the ambiguity and the lack of clarity, there is an understanding that parents will be trusted to make the best decision for their children. And hopefully, children give their parents the authority to do so. This takes me back to my scripture. It says, the hand of the Lord was upon me. See, what you're seeing right now is one of the most dark and yet one of the most powerful moments in all of the Old Testament. The Bible says that God took the prophet Ezekiel, put him down in the middle of a valley of dry bones. And as I use my imagination, I see these mountains that are covered in loose rocks standing like piers around the valley. These two warring armies came and somewhere along the way they met in the middle. They lost their lives and now at the bottom of the valley they stand decaying, dead, long past the usefulness of their life because there is no more life left in them. And as I've read through this scripture so many times over the last year, I have been continually reminded that there is a historical context, but there is a missional principle that is buried within the context of the scripture. And this is the first one I want to spoil you with this morning. Every purpose has power, but only if put into practice. 
Every purpose has power, but only if put into practice. It means that you and I were made on purpose and for a purpose. There was no randomness to your life. You may be random, but random events and random moments do not equate to the order of our life because the word order implies that you and I have a place, a place where we do what God has called us to do, a place where we live the way that God has shown us to live, and a way that we live that purpose out. But here's the catch. My place in the order and your place within the order do not always line up. In other words, my place may not be your place. Your gifting may not be my gifting. My joy is not always your joy. You don't have to laugh at my dad jokes. But when you and I begin to feel and recognize that you and I were made on purpose, there will be a primal instinct that will drive you to begin to try and figure out to determine the reason why you were made. You were made to advance the kingdom of God. You were made to push forward the church. The scripture says the gates of hell will not prevail. You were made on purpose for a purpose to be the hands of God injected into a world that needs to be reminded that God is good and if God is good he is still God even in the middle of a valley of dry bones. If God is who he has always claimed to be, that even in the middle of your struggle, he is still the God that he's promised to be. If God is a God of grace, then he will still be grace in the middle of your pain. If God is a God of character, then his character has always been yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. You can be reminded that because God was, God will always be. Because he said yes, he will continue to say yes. But he's looking for a people. He's looking for a generation that will stand with him in the mission. He's looking for a church like Faith Assembly of God that will say, I am a part of what you've called me to say, to do, and to be. My children, I love them, but I feel like they like to critique me. You're a parent. Ever been critiqued by your own children? I take my son to the gym with me on on most mornings, and he's starting to be super excited about that. And I was telling Pastor Johnny in the, before the service started that my, my son will say, Dad, my legs are so much bigger than yours. <laughs> Dad, I feel like my legs are so much stronger than yours. How does it feel to have a 13-year-old who has bigger legs than you? <laughs> Studies prove that at some point, young men start to try and figure out ways to stand up to their father. It's some sort of a masculinity trait where young men will begin to assert themselves in the presence of their father. And maybe this is not a good parenting tactic, but I want my boys to always question whether or not they can beat me. That's the reason why I don't let my kids win when we play sports together. Whenever we play basketball one-on-one, I'm like, you will not win and you will enjoy the sting of defeat until I am no longer able to even stand on this court. Because when I'm 55 years old and my son says, dad, come on, let's play basketball. I want him to look in that moment and have a tinge of concern and question in his eye when we stand on the court together. I don't want him to win. I want him to stand there with a little bit of fear and a little bit of shaking in his knees because I beat him down when he was 14 years old. Come on, I want that. I I know it may not be the greatest parenting tactic, but that's how I roll. This is what we do. But my kids like to critique me. They say, Dad, you're eccentric. That hurt my feelings. 
Because for real, I didn't know what that meant for a while. I didn't know what being eccentric meant, especially when your 13-year-old is telling you this. When your 11-year-old is telling you that you're eccentric, you begin to question the reality of your life. I thought, well, maybe it's because I pick my kids up and I roll the windows down and listen to music when I pick them up from school. And they say, Dad, that's weird. Don't do that. I said, hey, when I pick you up from your friend's house, I'm going to come meet your friend's dad. And my son says, Dad, that's weird. That's eccentric. Don't do that. I said, now I'm definitely going to meet him. Now I'm going to walk up. I'm going to introduce myself. He and I are going to become buddies now because of what you just said. And my kids critique me. They say that I'm eccentric. And one day, not that long ago, a few weeks ago, it all came to a head. It all fell down around me. We were, my wife and I, in Sam's Club, and we were walking through the aisles shopping. And all of a sudden, there was a man walking down the aisle, and he was pushing a shopping cart. But he was pushing the shopping cart like this. And my wife said, you see that guy? Yes. She said, that's something you would do. She said, that's eccentric because you would do that. And for a moment, I wanted to be offended. But then I realized I absolutely would do that. I would absolutely totally do that and not think about what anybody cared about it. I would push the cart down the aisle exactly like that. And it occurred to me that perhaps for the remainder of my life, my job is to be the person in the middle of the room that people stare at because maybe I'm just a little bit eccentric. See, there is something about your life that has been set in order from the foundation of the world. So regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what you've been through, you have been made on purpose and for a purpose, designed and designated by God. And if the struggle of your past has made you question who you are and the reality of your current situation, you can be always reminded of the goodness of God because God has seen you. He's not forgotten about you. He's not frustrated by you. He's not caught off guard by you. God knows who you are. He knows where you are. And if you will submit yourself to God, then he will do things through the person that you are that he couldn't do through anybody else. Because if God can use me and God can use you, then God can use you and me together to change the world through a group of people who are determined to be God's anointed sons and daughters. But it has to be that we become set on fire by the mission and the mandate of God. So what is it? For you, if it's to preach, then you better preach it, preacher. If it's to teach, then you better teach it, girl. If you are to be in business, then you better give everything you have to growing a business and then give back from the business to the mission of God. Because when you do, people are changed through you. My wife and I had planted a church in Phoenix, Arizona, and we were drawn to the desert, a place very different from Orlando, Florida. We fell in love with the desert. We fell in love with cactus. I wanted saguaro cactus in my yard. I wanted succulents everywhere I could look. That's not a bad word. That's a plant. I wanted succulents in my yard. I would go out to my yard and I would pick lemonade to make lemonade on a good day. I loved where we lived. Uh, I didn't own a lawnmower for seven years. I would go out and I would rake my rocks. And I would look back at those lines in my rocks and I would, I'd be proud of myself. I'd say, that's precision. 
It's a thing of beauty when you can rake your rocks with precision. And then in the fall of 2018, the Lord began to speak to my wife and I, specifically me, about where we were headed and what God was doing in us and through us. And the church at this point was growing and we were seeing people come to know Jesus. We were seeing lives change and hearts turn to him. And then as the Lord began to speak, I decided that the way for me to move forward was to busy myself with the good things that God had put in front of me so that perhaps the Lord would be satisfied with my labor. So that perhaps God would be satisfied with the efforts that I was putting forward to be used by him in the local church. What we tend to do sometimes in Christianity is we tend to busy ourselves with the good things in front of us to the detriment of our intimacy and our relationship with him. God wants to speak to you in the middle of your life. He wants to speak to you into the middle of your work. But one of the greatest places for you and I to be, to hear from God in the middle of our everyday life, is not in the middle of the busyness. It's in the middle of a place called still. When you and I learn to rest in the middle of a place called still, that's where we learn to listen to the voice of God. The voice of God has to work harder in the middle of our busyness, in the middle of the things that we put ahead of our intimacy with Him. But God can still use you when you take time to listen to His voice. And eventually, eventually we had to say yes to God. And we pulled our children close to us and we sat on the floor of our living room and I began to talk to my children about what God was asking us to do. And I love statistics. So I looked into the eyes of our, our little children and I said, did you know that we're saying yes to Africa? We're saying yes to Africa and we're taking you away from the only church that you've ever attended. We're saying yes to 48 countries on the continent of Africa and we're taking you away from the only friend group that you've ever known. We're saying yes to the continent of Africa and we're taking you away from the only school that you've ever attended. I said, did you know that there were 22 countries on the continent of Africa that do not have an Assemblies of God missionary? Did you know that the continent of Africa is the youngest, the most urbanizing, and the fastest growing continent on the planet? I looked at my, my little boys and, and my three-year-old daughter and I said, did you know that the continent of Africa has 867 unreached people groups and 250 million people that have never heard the name Jesus. And as they stared at me with blank looks in their eyes, I said, did you know that the continent of Africa will triple in population size over the next three years, over the next 80 years, from 1.2 billion people to 4.3 billion people over the next 80 years? And I said, did you know that God is asking me and your mom and our entire family to leave everything that we love and we we know to embrace a people and a continent that we have never actually lived in. And my son Cruz put his head on my chest and he wept because he didn't understand what God was asking, but they knew that it was changing the trajectory of their entire life. See, I do not believe that you and I have been called by God to a life of comfort. I do not believe that the calling of God for the church of Jesus Christ is to live and to endure a life of comfort. The scripture says that he will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. And oftentimes we get that wrong because we want to trust God. We want to rely on him. We want to be dependent on him. But before we're willing to take the first step, we want to know what the end of the journey looks like. 
And so you and I as sons and daughters of Jesus have not been guaranteed what the end of the journey will look like, but we have been promised the next step. And we have been promised that he will be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We have been promised that he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. We have been promised that all his promises are yes and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. And from time to time, when God says move, don't be as concerned with the end of the journey as you are with whether or not you're willing to take the first step. Can I move? Where will I go? Let that all fall by the wayside as you say, God, where can I step to now? And God began to move upon my family. And as somebody comes back to the keyboard to play, it takes me all the way back to our scripture. See, because for some of us, the catch of your life is that you'll never know your purpose without an embrace of God's mission. And you can't help to fulfill the mission and the vision without being settled first in your purpose. There's somebody in the room that needs to hear that purpose and placement are tied to mission and vision. You were made to be filled. You were made to be complete in Jesus. You were born to be finished in his presence. But you will be filled when your purpose is found and where God places you. You become complete when you're full of the mission of God. It's not about church attendance. It's not about coming and stretching your hands into the air. What it is about is all of those things come combined as you live out your life in mission toward what you know God has called you to. Embrace the journey of pioneering and be willing to give everything that you have to an unknown future because the most dangerous place for you to be is found in the will of God. You're not safe in his will. You must trust him in his will. You're not comfortable in his will. You've got to embrace the journey in the middle of his will. It's one of the greatest places to be, but oftentimes one of the most trying and the most testing. See, for some of us in the room, the emptiness that you feel and the loneliness that you feel, it feels like you're wandering. It comes back down to this. You've not obeyed your marching orders. Marching orders are meant to a better future. Marching orders are made, meant for you to find out who you really are. Marching orders are not for your Death, they are for your life. So let's go back to our verse. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse number one, it says, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Here we find the prophet taken to a valley, put in the middle of a valley, and it says he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord. It's a reminder that God will never ask you to do anything in which his presence will not go with you to there. It says God took him to a place. God brought him out. God's power sent him. And this is where I want to take you for just a moment because if you will place your purpose into his, he will take you to places that you could never have gone on your own. He will show you things that you could not see with your own eyes and he will put you in situations that your strength could not create, but his strength is enough. 
See, your home is in his hand. Your peace will be found in where he positions you. And your grace will always be found in his goodness. His grace is enough. When you're broken, his grace is enough. When you're raising funds, his grace is enough. When you're looking at a son away from Jesus, his grace is enough. And his grace leads me. And it says, number two, it says he set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. This is the good part. Because here is where you are made. You are made in the valley. You are vindicated in the valley. You must learn to trust him in the valley. You may stand in the middle of the valley concerned about where you're going, where you're headed, and about the brokenness, but you will be made and strengthened by God in the middle of the valley. See, I would love to live my entire life standing from mountaintop to mountaintop, going from grace and goodness to grace and goodness, but after 41 years of life, I can tell you from experience that I have never grown on the mountaintop. I have grown on the valley floor. On the valley floor is where I trust him. On the valley floor is where I'm reminded of his grace and his goodness. On the valley floor is where I say, yes, God, help me here. God was showing Ezekiel a scenario that should not exist. Death shouldn't exist. Pain shouldn't exist. Racism shouldn't exist. Hate shouldn't exist. But when you find yourself standing in a valley of long lost life, be bold and say, this should not exist. The pain of the world should not exist. Cultural wars should not exist. I want you to say, this should not exist. But here's the struggle for those of us who find ourselves from time to time standing in the middle of a valley of dry bones. We'll be tempted to do one of two things. The first thing that we'll do is we'll deny it. We'll say, no, it can't be. It can't be. It's not possible. I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be in this place. I shouldn't be in this struggle. We will begin to deny it. See, when we deny the plan of God, we deny who God has made us to be. The second thing we'll do is that we will deflect. The definition for the word deflect means to turn aside. Deflection. Deflection is one of the most frustrating places to be when you're called by God. This is the ball, Andres. Andres, that's better. So, this man is a gifted athlete. I want you to notice what he and I are doing. Does anybody know what we're doing? Playing catch. Good. My son Jude, remember he's got an argument for being the greatest athlete that our family's ever seen. I have to give him credit for that. He played eighth grade football this year and he was a middle linebacker and he broke the record for tackles that his school had had that had stood since the 60s. 60s. He's, he's got an argument to be made. The only thing he wanted to do, though, was to get an interception. Every game he'd say, Dad, maybe this is the day I'm going to get that interception. And I'd say, bro, you get out there, you get that interception. The second to last game with only 13 seconds left in the game, my son in the middle of the game, the game was on the line. We were in the very last seconds of the game. My son caught the ball, and you know what he got? He did not get an interception. They'd actually put him in on offense. 
With 13 seconds left in the game, he caught his one and only touchdown of the season. Walked two steps over the line and stood there cocky and arrogant. <laughs> Greatest athlete our family's ever seen. Proud of the fact that he had just scored the game-winning touchdown. But I want you for just a moment to put yourself in a place that doesn't exist. I want you to imagine with me for just a moment what would have happened if in that last moment, that last throws of the game, everybody watching him, the entire stands excited about what was getting ready to happen, the moment when the cheers were going up as loud as you could imagine when people were putting their hands over the ears and the ball was passed to my son. I want you to imagine that in that moment my son would have said, no. I want nothing to do with my personal responsibility to catch the ball. What you and I have done, some of us in the room, is that we have been passed the ball for the rest, for all of our life. God has been saying, I want you to go. I want you to give. I want you to surrender. I want you to invest. I want you to be on the dream team. I want you to be on the serve team. I want you to give in the faith promise. I want you to go into missions. I want you to serve on the worship team. And constantly and consistently, God has been passing us the ball, but we have been deflecting our own personal responsibility to what God has called us to. And when you and I deflect, we deny our responsibility. We turn our ear to weeping. We say to God, no, when God wants the response to be, I'll go. You are meant to catch the ball. God has been giving you purpose. God has been giving you favor. God has been giving you anointing. And the responsibility of faith assembly of God has always been, we will catch the ball. But personal responsibility says, what is my part to play? What is my role in the mission and the mandate as I sit under the covering of the leadership of this church? What is my role? Perhaps you're in the room and you're saying, Jacob, I, I need to know how. I need to know when. I need to know where. I will say yes. I will go. I will give. I will give everything I have. God, that is my role. For some of you, your job is to go stay away from a life of comfort reject it at all costs because I guarantee you that in this point in my life I recognize that I will not have not not been able to grow in comfort I have always relied on the grace and the mercy of God in the seasons of my life that caused me to yearn for him and him alone the prophet looked back at God and he he looked at the struggle that he was facing and God said, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And Ezekiel said, only you know. Only you know if these bones can live. He was frustrated. He was probably confounded. Only you know. Quit putting the responsibility on me. Only you know if these bones can live. My friends, I'm here to tell you that behind every problem, there is potential. Behind brokenness, there is a healer. Behind sin, there is always a savior. Can these bones live? God knows. God has a plan, but he uses people like you to accomplish what he wants to do. A few years ago, we sent Pastor Timothy to the northern part of Ghana to plant a church. 
And Pastor Timothy went to plant a church and to dig a water well. See, we will never dig a water well and give physical water without leaving the living water. Africa is the most water-scarce continent on the planet. And as we dug the well, hundreds and thousands of people converged on this northern Ghanaian community. And the church was established. A few weeks after the church had been launched, there was a knock at Pastor Timothy's door and he went to stand there and he, he found there at the entrance of the door was a man who'd recently converted from Islam. And he looked at Pastor Timothy and he said, I'd like to be baptized. And Pastor Timothy said, well, we've got a baptismal coming up in two weeks. And the man said, I'd like to be baptized now. And Pastor Timothy looked around, saw no tank, but he saw a water well pump. And he walked over and he started to pump the water. And water spilled down onto the ground and began to wet the red dirt of that northern Ghanaian community. And Pastor Timothy said, lay down. So he laid down in the mud. He said, roll over. And he rolled over. Pastor Timothy said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. A couple of weeks later, there was another knock at Pastor Timothy's door and there standing in front of him was this man with his wife. I would like to be baptized right now. She laid down, she rolled around in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And his entire family began to experience the love and the grace of Jesus. And just a few days past that point, another knock at the door. And there standing again at the entrance of the door was this man, his wife who had been baptized on his side. And on the other side, his other two wives. I'm not here to judge. But they said, I want to be baptized. There will be times of your life when you will look at the problem and all you will see is the mountain that stands in your way. But the grace of God dictates that you and I do not see through natural eyes anymore. We see that there could be a problem, but behind the problem, there is potential. And the potential was an entire man's family who gave their lives to Jesus and an entire region that began to experience revival because of one man who converted from Islam, who wanted to be baptized right now. What is your role? What is your responsibility when God begins to say, go? For some of you in the room, it will be that you choose in the next few moments to say, yes, Jesus, I give my life and all that it looks like, and I'm willing to embrace what you're saying because I believe that this valley of dry bones should not exist. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh, Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones. Call from the four winds, breath come into lungs, sinews laid upon bones. And the scripture says they rose as an exceedingly great army. My job and your job is to speak to a valley of dry bones and say, dry bones. 
don't hear the word of the Lord. Why? Because God said so. Because when he said so, you will be healed. When God said so, the broken are put back together. When God said so, marriages are restored. When God said so, bones are put back together. And armies live on purpose because God said so. Because God said so, we're asking God for 400 new missionaries on the continent of Africa in the next five years. Maybe that is you. Seven years went by. And my mom and dad processed. Until in 1989, my mother and father stood in front of a group of men and women to talk about needs on the continent of Africa. This exhausting one hour conversation and nothing clicked in my dad's heart. Until one of the men said, talk about Sierra Leone. My dad with red eyes and fatigue starting to set in. He said, tell me. He said, but when you land, Walk to the bottom of the steps and you see that you're standing on a peninsula. You see that you're surrounded on three sides by water. If you look out across the bay of water, you'll see that on the other side, there's a city that rises up on the mountains where the mountains meet the beach. And in 1989, my mom and dad became missionaries to Sierra Leone, West Africa, where they served for the next five years, seeing an entire country set ablaze because they were willing to say Yes. And now my wife and I, after 17 years of marriage, stand on their shoulders, ready to embrace the call of God that he's put in our life to see a new generation of missionaries say yes to Jesus, to bring continental-wide revival to Africa. Maybe that is your role. And maybe your responsibility is to go. But perhaps your responsibility is to send others who will. Maybe your job is to send my parents, to send people to let go of your daughter, to trust Jesus with your son, to believe God for your own future. As you fill out your faith promise card in just a few moments, I'm praying and I'm believing with you that you will begin to believe that you may be the difference in someone's trajectory. That you will say to God, I will send, but maybe I will go. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.